Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Yesterday, there was a protest at UNC Chapel Hill uh, in defense of the Hamas terrorists. Um, and uh, there was a professor, apparently, who uh, I don't know if he's Jewish or not, but he walked right up to, there was a crowd of them standing on the steps of a library, the Wilson Library, I think is what it's called. I did not go to UNC, thank goodness. Um, but <laughs> but uh, I kid, I kid you guys. Uh, but they had this uh, rally, and I don't know, there's probably about, looked to be you know between 50 to 75 people that were standing on the steps. Of course, they were all wearing masks because COVID or something. Either that or they were just afraid of being identified and having all of their future job prospects dry up or, uh, you know, maybe they didn't want to be associated. They want to be identified as as publicly speaking out in favor of the baby beheading rapists. But um, I, it's hard for me to to ascertain that. But they were all out there and they they got a speaker going uh, like a like a amplified sound speaker with a microphone. They've got two people with bullhorns and this professor walked up to one of the uh, one of the students who's you know screaming through the bullhorn about decolonialization and all of this, and um, just stood right in front of her, folded his arms and stood right in front of the bullhorn. His face like six inches from the bullhorn, which if you've ever been around a bullhorn, like that's if he wasn't deaf before. <laughs> uh, and so it's so rad. So then, so then students started coming down and trying to like get between the speaker and the professor and they start kind of moving between them and it, it, it rattles the yeller with the bullhorn. And so she then just is reduced to literally just screaming, ah, just screaming through the bullhorn. I don't, I don't know what she was screaming. It just, it didn't sound like anything intelligible. It was not, they weren't words. Um, then there was some jostling, somebody, the, somebody shoved the professor, cops came in and, and moved him out of the area. I saw a report that he was detained. I don't know if that's true though. And, um, there is a, a, a Hamas apologist who claims to have been there yesterday and is, uh, I guess a retired teacher. Um, and she's on the Twitter machine telling that, telling us that the videos are doctored. She says it was a silent protest and we're all lying. The videos are lying. Of course, the video also shows two people with bullhorns, which I don't think you need for a silent protest. There's also the amplified sound, the speaker that they set up with the microphone. I don't know why you would need that for a silent protest, but yeah. That's what I said two days ago. Said it again last hour. First, they demand the, the video and the pictures as evidence. They will deny that the atrocities occurred and then when, and they will demand photographic evidence. And then when you present it to them, they will say it's doctored. And that's the phase we're in now that now that the videos and pictures have been produced, 
Now there is a denial. This is, this is Holocaust denialism. It's the same stuff. It's the same crap. The New York Times apparently has a whole bunch of sources inside Iran, maybe a couple in Hezbollah, I'm not sure. They did a big story headlined, Hamas attack on Israel brings new scrutiny of groups' ties to Iran. And they talk about several different meetings and uh, coordination that was occurring. They had like five or six different sources, uh, unnamed, of course, because they would have probably their heads chopped off if uh, they if they found out who these people were talking to. Um, but they say that uh, the leader of Hezbollah held an hours-long online meeting in March with an elite group of strategists from all of the Iran-backed militias. That includes Hamas, which, of course, is never directly called a militia. They call them in this piece so far. They call them groups. They call them armed Palestinian groups that... But they never call them terrorists. The T word shall not be uttered when speaking of Hamas, even though it's the militant wing that did all of this. It's not it's not the good wing, the peaceful wing of Hamas that provides all the clean drinking water and the electricity, which, oh, yeah, by the way, that actually comes from Israel for free because Hamas dug up all of their water pipes and turned them into missiles, turned them into rockets. And they showed you that they they made videos of it. Like, we're supposed to ignore, like, this is the thing about the, this this death cult that is Hamas. They're showing you, they're providing videos of it. They tell you the things they want to do, the things they have done. They shot videos of their attack. And it's like, people don't want to believe it, I guess. they You just want to ignore that they're telling you who they are. And there's only, really, there's only a couple of reasons why you wouldn't accept their word for it. You don't want to believe it for whatever personal political reasons you have. I don't know. You're an anti-Semite. That might be a reason. I'm trying not to impugn people here, but that might be a reason. But it is kind of interesting that it's always this, this, this skepticism. It's always one direction. Take note of that, too. The skepticism is always in one direction. One of the Iranians briefed on the operation said that four days before the attack, all of those that were participating in the attack were rounded up by Hamas commanders and isolated. Their electronic devices were confiscated. They had no contact with the outside world, something that could help explain why Israel was blindsided. In September, Israeli intelligence officials told the New York Times that they had intelligence suggesting that the Ayatollah Khomeini, Iran's supreme leader, had ordered a wide campaign against Israel, including targeting its citizens abroad, conducting sabotage inside its borders, and smuggling sophisticated weapons to the Palestinians to try to ignite a civil war in the West Bank, which is the West Bank of the Jordan River, different than the Gaza Strip. That was in retaliation for shadow war operations conducted by Israel in Iran, they said. So that's why, that Israel is doing stuff inside Iran, and so Iran's going to go do stuff inside of Israel, or the West Bank. In various meetings of Iran's proxy militias, several attendees said that the emphasis from leaders was that it was time to take advantage of Israel's seething internal divisions 
over the judicial overhaul pushed by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's far-right coalition. So our external enemies use our internal strife to take advantage of all of us because they hate all of us. You see how this works? Like, this needs to be an eye-opener for a lot of people in America, as well as all other countries. When, when having debates and, and arguments over internal policies and preferences, keep it in mind, you know? There was a message here from Jan to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Uh, your caller in the last hour asked, could this be a wake-up call for Jewish people with a, um, with a leftist worldview? And Jan says, it pains me to say, but based on my experience, there will be people on the left of Jewish descent who will be outraged at what's going on with the rhetoric coming from their fellow leftists. Unfortunately, when the election rolls around, they'll have forgotten all, and it's back to orange man bad. Well, yeah, and even just Republicans bad, you know, just right. The right is bad and all that. I don't know. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of reevaluation, I think, of uh, of domestic political positions. By the way, if you want uh, updates, a good source for this I found is the Jerusalem Post. They've been uh, doing live updates Um. You know, Israel or the IDF and Hezbollah have clashed at uh, as Hamas fires rockets on Tel Aviv. Uh, the IDF says that it has entered Gaza to search for missing Israelis. Um, oh, Vladimir Putin is calling the Israeli action into Gaza. Uh, he's uh, comparing it to uh, World War II Nazi tactics. That's what he is comparing to world to Nazis. So just to be clear. If you're on the side of the Palestinians, you're on the same side with Putin. Noted humanitarian. Abhorror of atrocities and war crimes. Vladimir Putin. Okay, just want to be, just want that one on the record. By the way, I just want to put this out there because it's been a couple of, uh, I think it's been a show or two since I've said this. Um, All of this can stop in Gaza. All of this can stop if Hamas surrenders. That's how this ends. That's the that's the way you get peace. So everybody chanting for peace. Everybody's like, I just want peace. I just want peace. I do too. Hamas should surrender. And if your response to that is no, then you don't get to claim that you're for peace. Because that's the way we're going to get it. Because of what Hamas just did, the only options on the table anymore are they get wiped out or they surrender and face justice for their crimes. And if they're not going to surrender, then lethal force is used. They could return all the hostages, right? They, They could do things. By the way, speaking of the hostages, you, uh, this is from the daily caller quoting, an interview that was aired on Russia Today. It was an interview with Ali Baraka. 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 
think is how he pronounces that. Anyway, he's a senior Hamas official. And he said that Hamas demands that the United States engage in prisoner swaps. So I guess they've got some Americans. I'm sorry, hang on a second. It's just a back up here. A senior Hamas official. Wait a minute. How do we trust this guy? How do we know what he's saying is true? He's not part of the militant wing of Hamas, right? It doesn't say a senior uh, militant wing of Hamas official or a senior official with the militant wing of Hamas. He's just a Hamas official. He doesn't know anything, right? It's a totally separate bureau or department. We don't do anything like that. I don't know what they're talking about. So he's demanding that the United States... Engage in prisoner swaps. Well, why would he think we would do that? Ah, he cites President Joe Biden's recent Iran hostage deal. He noted in a translated excerpt of the interview provided by the Middle East Media Research Institute, which is another great resource, M-E-M-R-I, memory. He says there are multiple Hamas members serving life sentences In American prisons, quote, we demand that the U.S. free our sons from prisons. He said, quote, the U.S. conducts prisoner swaps. Only recently it did one with Iran. Why wouldn't it conduct a prisoner swap with us? That's why you don't do these things, right? That's why you don't swap the merchant of death for a basketball player, right? I mean, as callous as that sounds, when people were criticizing the swaps, and Obama did it with Bo Bergdahl, right? All of these these swaps, when when you start down this path, when you pay the ransoms, you encourage them to take more. Because you've, you've already determined what you are, now you're just negotiating price. Speaking of that, uh, that $6 billion prisoner extortion or swap, um, in May, a top White House official visited Oman to pass a message to Tehran. Washington wants to broker a nuclear deal in secret. Did you know that? Biden would lift sanctions, restrictions on Iranian funds. And that Iran would be free to continue everything that it's doing. They wanted a nuclear deal, but they didn't want to go through Congress. Oh, and the money trail on that six billion. It's way more than six billion. Yeah, way more than six billion. Um, Richard Goldberg, who is, uh, he's a senior advisor at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. He's a former National Security Council official. He traces the money trail, and it's way more than $6 billion. All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country, 
There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. Uh, Russ uh, says, uh, Pete, I want to again thank you for pronouncing these very difficult names. I can't believe I'm getting all of this for free. That's that. It's it's what I do. I'm a giver. What can I say? I am a giver. Uh, I work very hard on my pronunciations, so I get them just right. I mean, I do it live. On the air, so you get multiple pronunciations. Just because if you just do them all, then one of them is going to be right. You know, many of the articles surrounding the atrocities of the Hamas attack over the uh, from last weekend have referenced the uh, the six billion dollar deal, quote unquote, in which the U.S. gave money to Iran in exchange for five Americans. This is a piece by Aaron Wexler, or Arin, A-R-Y-N-N-E, Aaron Wexler, at thefederalist.com. And I have the the, the source uh, that she's going to refer to, which is a piece at the New York Post by Richard Goldberg. But I'm going to first read her sort of... Uh, summary before I go into some of the details from him. She says it's more nefarious than simply unleashing $6 billion to Iran, a known terrorist state and the most existential threat to the free world. In reality, this one detail hyperlinked quickly in most articles is part of a larger spider web of hidden details. In a piece at the New York Post, Senior advisor at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies and former National Security Council official Richard Goldberg traces the money trail and confirms it's much worse than we think. Goldberg lays out the numbers. The $6 billion that you have seen in every other headline is only the money being transferred from our friends in gutter. But that is separate from the $10 billion worth of assets being transferred from Iraq. Goldberg says that continues on a rolling basis. So that's, it's not like a one-time transfer. It's a rolling, just constant uh, asset movement. Then there are the reports that Iran will be allowed to access another $7 billion in fiat currency by trading drawing rights with the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. And, he says, Japan is scheduled to transfer $3 billion more to Iran. U.S. officials have also quietly acknowledged that they have uncapped Iranian oil uh, exports to China. That's estimated value somewhere in the neighborhood, oh, $25 billion per year. You add all that up, and that is $50 billion dollars 50 billion that our administration in America has 
opened up for Iran. Well, minus the $3 billion from Japan. But I bet if we told Japan to stop uh, or maybe get Obama to give him a phone call and say, uh, knock it off, like, maybe they would, right? Because he told that to Putin, and that worked so well. So Iran has already ejected international nuclear inspectors and are on their way to building a facility believed to be so deep underground that it'll be impenetrable by any airstrikes. Also, we recently learned that top officials were influencing the U.S. government in favor of Iranian nuclear power. A series of recently leaked emails have focused on Ariane Tabatabai. Tabatabai. Tabati. Tabatabai. Anyway, the chief of staff to the secretary of defense for special operations. Messages show her involvement with the Iran Experts Initiative, the IEI a direct government initiative to allegedly improve the country's image abroad. This woman is still in our administration. The other guy, the lead negotiator, Robert Malley, he got suspended pretty quietly a couple of months back. We've also come to learn other aides who were directly corresponding with the Iranian government from their U.S. government posts uh, include Ali Vaez and Dina Esfandiaria. Well, that just sounds gross, actually. Uh, all right, so Iran recently launched yet another imaging satellite as well, which is assumed to be part of their ballistic missile program. We're stopping oil production in America while allowing Iran to export more, all under this facade of green energy. Biden has also, remember, drained the strategic petroleum reserves to a low we have not seen in decades. Israel and Saudi Arabia have been quietly building diplomatic relations since the Abraham Accords under Donald Trump. Because that's what, that's what Nazis do, fascists do, right? They negotiate peace between Saudi Arabia and Israel. That's right. Okay, whatever. Um, they have not touched the Palestinian topic. They've been able to have talks because they're not, they're not broaching that subject. But now the Biden administration has thrown a wet blanket on the entire deal, insisting on numerous concessions to the Palestinians. So you got Israel and Saudi Arabia talking, but they both agree. They're like, you know what? We're just going to. We're just going to like leave it there to say, like, uh, you know, help improve the lives of Palestinians. And that was it. We're just going to leave it at that. Okay, good. And now we could talk about all these other things. And along comes Joe and his little too close to Iran negotiating team. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You got to get more concessions. You got to do concessions to those Palestinians. And so now, how do you how do you proceed after that? Did we just try to blow up those talks? Did we do that on purpose? Or are we just that stupid? Israel is likely to carry out the dirty work of an actual operation to stop Iranian nuclear aspirations. Saudi Arabia was there to get the Arab world in line for when they do. This was the long game. Saudi Arabia, Sunni, Iran, Shia. And so the Sunnis, not too thrilled with the prospect of Iran getting the bomb. So, 
hey, you know what, Israel? You want to take them out? You want to take that out? We'll let you. We'll, 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 we'll keep a lid on the Arab street. That's all blown up now, too. And Iran is very happy about that. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? New York Post has a piece by Richard Goldberg, cited by the Federalist article I just went through. And here's what he writes. And uh, Richard Goldberg is a senior advisor at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, is a former National Security Council official and a senior uh, and a former senior U.S. Senate aide. Um, Sorry about that. Real professional, Pete. Um, So in May, a top White House official visited Oman. To, or is it Oman? Oh, man. He visited Oh, man. To pass a message to Tehran. Washington wants to broker a nuclear deal in secret. Biden would lift sanctions restrictions on Iranian funds held outside of its borders. And in exchange, Iran would slow its steady march towards a nuclear weapons threshold. So this was in May. Secret meeting. Not to end the nuclear weapons program, but to just slow it down. Could you just slow it down and we'll give you all of the billions? Iran would be free to continue hunting former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, for example, or former National Security Advisor John Bolton, or former Special Envoy for Iran Brian Hook, or any other Americans. They could keep doing that. No problem. Tehran could keep directing attacks against Israel through Hezbollah, Hamas, and Islamic Jihad terror proxies. Carry on. The mullahs could keep providing armed drones to Vladimir Putin for use against the Ukrainians. That's fine, no problem. The regime could even keep producing high-enriched uranium just a stone's throw from weapons-grade manufacturing advanced centrifuges, developing longer-range missiles, denying access to international nuclear inspectors, and constructing a new underground facility that could prove invulnerable to military action. What did we get? His one demand. Don't move across the nuclear threshold by producing weapons-grade uranium. Oh, and, sorry, second demand, release the five American citizens held hostage. And you get all of that. And the Ayatollah was like, I'll take it. On the nuclear front, Iran gives up nothing. The United Nations nuclear watchdog last week reported that Iran is still expanding its stockpile of high-enriched uranium just at a slower rate, just like Joe asked. As for the five American hostages at a cost of $1.2 billion per person, the Ayatollah will merely restock his collection of American hostages for a future extortion racket. In fact, one of the Hamas terrorists said, that's what what they're going to do. 
That's what they're demanding of us. You need to, we need to do a prisoner swap if you want your Americans back. How can this occur without Congress holding one hearing or one vote? Because the deal was negotiated in secret and the White House insists that there is no deal. To acknowledge an agreement would trigger a law passed in 2015, the Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act, which prohibits sanctions relief for Iran tied to its nuclear activities until Congress has been afforded 30 days to review and potentially reject the deal. They've kept this hidden. This is according to Richard Goldberg. They have kept this hidden. He's calling on Congress to demand all documents related to the secret nuclear negotiations. Tom, welcome to the program. Hello, Tom. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? I'm great. Listen, I just want to say this, and I'm sure you agree. The Middle East is home to three major religions, three major ones. You know that, Judaism, Islamic, and Christian. And Abraham is the father of all three, and none of them would deny it. So we got to come together and realize that we have but one father, and that's Father Abraham. So we got to cut this killing and, and, and hurting out on both sides. Thank uh, you so much. Tom, I would love for that to be true. Um, I, I would love for that to be the case, to come true, for that to be the case. But there are, uh, there are a lot of people, and, you know, if you're, if you're going back to Ishmael and Isaac, Yep, yep. Ishmael, Ishmael harbored a lot of resentment, right? Yes, sir. That's the beginning of the whole thing. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't see, I don't see this situation getting solved at a grand level, let alone just a Gaza Israel level. <laughs> All right. Thank you know. You. All right, Tom. I appreciate it. Look, I, I am for peace too. Look, I mean, you can't even really spell peace without Pete. It's like the same word almost. They wrote a song about me. Uh, they did. All we are saying is give Pete a chance. Like, I've, I've heard it on the radio. So, I am for the peace. I want the peace. However, I also recognize if somebody kicks in my door and starts murdering my family, that person needs to die. I don't know. I mean, like, that's, like, and that's what war is just at a much larger level. And people, like, it's amazing to me, uh, and it's not, because remember um, there was the, the, the old WBT host, Keith Larson, and he used to talk about uh, sleepwalking, and everyone's asleep, you know, prior to 9-11, and then after 9-11, and people kind of go back to sleep, and that's, that's what happened after, you know, Iraq war, Afghanistan war, we get all of that, and then it's like, we go back to sleep. And you forget, Hamas has been in control of that territory since 2005, 2006, really. So this is how they've been, quote, governing. This is how they've been engaging. And if Israel had a partner in peace, there would be peace. I don't think Israel wants to invade Gaza. They don't want it. Nobody wants it. Hamas had it, has it. Right, they like here you go, and we're we're giving you food. We're giving you, you know. By the way, you know why they have electricity coming in from Israel? Like, by the way, just spoil or uh, uh, for future reference, not a good idea to attack the the country that's giving you the power and the water. But they blew up their own electricity plant apparently at some point. <laughs> 
by firing rockets at Israel, and they hit their own plant. 